This is episode 10 of the Rise Up Podcast. We're a morning radio show hosted by Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life, a network of stations across New York and Pennsylvania. Our podcast is a weekly conversation that will help you think and grow in your faith. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode and find out more about our show at familylife.org. Of course we're happy. You're here. Why wouldn't we be? Thanks for listening to Rise Up on Family Life. It's almost Easter, the holiest of all Christian holidays. But as you read through the Bible, there may be a few things you miss from the Gospels about Easter. We're glad you're here for episode 10 of the Rise Up podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Holy Week up to the crucifixion. In our next episode, we'll cover that. And then in the following episode, the resurrection of Jesus. So as we start on that, would you say it starts on that Palm Sunday, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's so what's so exciting about it is like Easter isn't just a day. There's a, a week we get to celebrate. And it really does all kick off with Palm Sunday and that what we call the triumphal entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the city of God, and People praised him as he was walking in, but boy, I I can only imagine the things that are going on in in Jesus' mind. The triumphal entry, I just learned this today, or I was reminded of this today, it's one of those things that's in every one of the Gospels, this, Hmm. this event where Jesus, so that's when you know, okay, there's something really important going on here. And it's just amazing, like that example of humility that we see, I think, first of all, Hmm. that Jesus is coming in as the promised king. And he's riding on a donkey. Somebody should have known something was off at that point, right? They should have been like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because a donkey is a a humble creature. And that donkey, though, had to be part of that scene because it was prophecy. So cool. That's so cool. I'm just asking if you have it off the top of your head. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you remember where that prophecy comes from? Well, only because I did some research so that I would know. Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your kings come to you, righteous and victorious, low, and Mm -hmm. riding on a donkey, on a colt's (sighs) the foal of a donkey. And what's remarkable is when Jesus says, hey, go get this donkey, it's right yeah. where he says it's going to be, <laughs> you know? And and I wonder sometimes why we get so tripped up on trusting God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like God put a donkey in just yeah. the place that it would be so that it could fulfill this prophecy from generations earlier. And we still worry. Uh, I don't know, is God going to come yeah. through? <laughs> right. Right. It's like it's been prophesied for hundreds of years and then right. it happens. Right. And we still find a way to doubt him. It's another thing along those same lines that really hit me this time I was looking at the triumphal entry. It comes right after a whole bunch of people believed in Jesus because they saw him raise Lazarus from mm-hmm. the dead. Right. He wrote, he brought a man back to life. All these people were hearing about it. Everybody was talking about it. They all gathered to see who this guy was. They knew he was fulfilling prophecies by doing this. And they gathered together to usher him into the city of God mm-hmm. when he when he showed up. There's so much faith, but at that same time, I can't help but wonder if Jesus is having those same feelings that, well, he had at the tomb of Lazarus when people mm-hmm. were doubting, saying, Lord, if you were only here, right. he wouldn't have died. And they were looking at the one who has the power of death and life in his hands, and they were mm-hmm. doubting if he could bring Lazarus back to life. And we know that that grieved Jesus to see their lack of faith then. Mm. And these same people who now they're believing, we've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. This is great. 
Is he wondering, is he knowing in his heart at this moment? Yeah, you're praising me. You're ushering me in right now, but you're going to call for my crucifixion before the week is over. Right. We see a couple symbols. I mean, Palm Sunday, because of the palm branches, those are a symbol of of victory. And yeah. you know, they're being waved. They're down on the ground. You know, Jesus is over victory at this point. We see the donkey, mm. which is a humble and low creature. And then we hear this word in scripture, Hosanna, Hosanna, which comes from the same root as the word save. And the people during that time, I believe, were thinking that Jesus, the King of Kings, was going to save them from the Roman rule of the day. Mm -hmm. He was going to lead in a political way, in a, a societal way. But the saving that he would bring would be so much more than that. But they they wouldn't see it right away. They were hoping for one kind of a salvation, but the salvation he was bringing was to save them from their own sin. Mm. The number of times we look in Scripture and say, oh, look, they had it wrong. Look, they were expecting <laughs> God to do the wrong thing. Look at those people. Oh, wait, wait. Scripture's just a mirror. We do we're that. looking at ourselves. We do the exact same thing. We're hoping for God to answer in one way. He's already promised he's going to give us something even better. Right. And what I love about this is that even though they did have the wrong expectations, even though they were doubting him, and even though their faith would fail him Mm. by the end of the week, the people who he needed to be there for him the most were going to turn on him before the week was over, even still. That didn't stop his resurrection power. Right. Even when Mm. we doubt God, he is bigger than us. He is bigger than all our doubts. We move on to Tuesday of Holy Week, and we have this this teaching that's happening. Jesus spends a lot of time teaching. This is when we have the parable of the prodigal son and of the tenants and of the wedding banquet. And we have these priests, these people who know so much about religion, and they're trying to trap him. You know, oh, you did this on the Sabbath. Oh, you know, are you really the son of God. And I mean, they're just laying all these traps and they give questions and then he gives questions back, you know, (laughs) and it's just so remarkable to watch. But what's really happening here is this, this battle between truth or faith and religion. And I think it's such a picture of what we face even today. You know, it's easy to get caught up in religion. Religion feels good. Do this and you're good. Do this and you're good. But that's not what the truth is about. That's not what faith is about. And it's interesting to see these men of God with so little faith. I mean, they're they're like the last ones to realize yeah. this is the Messiah. You've yeah. been teaching about this Messiah for so long and they just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I know I am jumping ahead and we're going to talk about the crucifixion in full the next time. But to just point out, like you just said, the people of faith who should have been the ones seeing it. Right. I'm trying to think of who can I think of in this Easter story who's somebody who gets it, who sees who Jesus is. And the two people I can think of Mm. are a Roman soldier who is there at the foot of the cross and a criminal who Mm. is being crucified with Jesus at the same time. The religious crowd might have missed it. There's so much pride in the way sometimes Mm -hmm. when we think we know Boy, that humility has got to always be there because that's who God is willing to show himself to. Mm. 
With these questions that these priests asked, I started to think some about questions. And the mm. question is authority. The question is love. And you might have questions for God, questions about God. And right. that's okay because of Jesus. What an example he gave. Questions are okay. I mean, Jesus didn't say, stop asking me questions, you <laughs> crazy priests. No, he just heard their questions and then he asked them questions. And because of Jesus now, you can ask God questions. You can pray anytime. You can take your questions to him. And it might just be the the cry of your heart. That's a question. But because of Jesus, because of the death and the resurrection, the veil is torn. We have that open communication with God. How cool is it that we can go mm-hmm. with questions and just say, God, I don't understand this. Show me why you did this or show me why I'm going through this. So uh, it's it's just part of that week. If we skip ahead to Thursday of that week, we have this Maundy Thursday. And mm-hmm. I'll get into a little bit of what that word means. I oh, good. I didn't know that until very recently. But that's the day that the Last Supper takes place on. And if you've ever seen the painting of the Last Supper, it always makes me laugh because can you see these guys coming in and saying, we've got a party of 13, but we need a, we need a table for 26. Okay. And I'll explain later. And they all sit on one side. I mean, the waitress must have been like, what? No. Okay. What? It, was, it wasn't a restaurant. So it's okay, I guess, that they all sit on one side of the table. I don't think that's really how it was. They were kind of more at a lower table around where they could see well, one probably. another. Uh, and we have this this another night of conversation, of teaching, but we also have this mm. servant leadership yes. of Jesus. And it's such a beautiful thing, the washing of the feet. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing. And it's well, it's something of a trend. Sometimes it's become a little bit of a meme uh-huh. for Christians my age that you know, oh, are you going to do one of those weddings with a foot washing? Like there's there's memes about that, right, Christian sure. memes. And it, I understand it. Like it's, I understand how that's memeable. My wife and I did that though. We uh-huh. did that at our wedding and it was a really beautiful symbol. Like mm-hmm. if, if you haven't seen this before, it, it's what it sounds like. There's a chair and the one, uh, well, fiance at that point, they remove their footwear and the, the spouse to be has a bowl. And a cloth and water, and they wash their feet. Mm. And so doing that at our wedding was this beautiful, and of course it goes both ways. Both, you know, it's not service on one side, both wash each other's feet. Right. Doing that was, yes, a beautiful way, absolutely, to start a marriage and thinking about what that commitment looks like. But at the same time, it's this worship experience Mm. because you're thinking the same way you take these vows, you know, till death do us part and in sickness and in health, you're thinking, Wow, this is this is Christ's love for the church. Hmm. This it's it's this level of thing and so much more so. Think about God in the flesh doing this action for feet that are much grosser than my wife's beautiful <laughs> feet on her wedding day. That you know, that's like a day you got your feet looking really good, right? <laughs> Jesus, God of the universe. He did this for really gross feet. First century man feet, okay? Right. That. Wow. There's a lot of callous <laughs> there. All right. This word mondi. Okay. Yes. It's, uh, it actually, the Latin root is madam, which means commandment or mandate. 
Oh. And so Maundy Thursday is the day of the commandment. This is what it's really about. And this is what Jesus says in John 13. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just mm. as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And wow. so that's really the heart of Jesus' message. It's the heart of our faith. God loves you so much that he sent his son to the earth to pay for your sins. It's the love that held Jesus on the cross. We'll talk more about that in the next episode. And it's our love for others that shows our faith, not religion, in action. So this Easter, love others just as God loves you. Facing a whole new day is a lot easier when you remember that God is in charge. You're listening to Rise Up on Family Life. Status symbols are a fickle thing. You know, something you buy to show how rich or trendy you are. Well, it's sure. always going to get replaced by the next thing. So apparently for the mega, mega rich, it's something of a trend to collect dinosaur bones. Because apparently, Wait, what? yeah, yep, huh? yep, yep, you heard that right. Not tigers or anything like that anymore. No, it's got to be a dinosaur <laughs> for a pet. Well, of course, not really a pet because they're all dead. You know how dinosaurs are. But it's become something of a status symbol to have dinosaur bones. Leonardo DiCaprio has a collection of dino bones. Dwayne what? The Rock Johnson, he's got a really convincing T-Rex skull that he owns. It's a replica, but it's very convincing. Huh. Um, Nicholas Cage had a real one for a bit, but he had to give it back to Mongolia. Um, there's a long story there we won't get into, but you know it's impressive when when these people can uh, afford to own dinosaurs. But um, you know there's real status. This one guy I know about. Uh, imagine having two live T Rexes. Wait, what? Yep, and keeping them on a boat with you with two of every other kind of animal for 40 <laughs> days and 40 nights. Yeah, I, I know a guy who did that once. <laughs> He's so famous. <laughs> Thanks for making us part of your morning routine. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. Almost everyone has one. Our house does not. But, Tim, your house does have a junk drawer? Yeah, maybe more than yeah. one. I'll just uh -oh. leave it at that. <laughs> and there's always those random things that seem to mm -hmm. show up. So today our question is what has to be in the junk drawer? We've gotten some great answers via text in on our Rise Up Facebook page this morning. Ruth in Rochester says rubber bands. If they're petrified, that's even better. Uh, Kimberly in Owego says it has to have a mysterious plastic part that no one can remember what it goes to. Oh, definitely. But you don't want to throw it away, right? Well, right, because you're going right. to need it. You're going to exactly. need it when you throw it out. Yeah, Josh texted us from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and he says extra screws and parts that you have from things you put together. Mm -hmm. True. Shannon in Alma says an old handheld paper hole punch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And Colin and Delavan, I think this one really hits, used birthday candles. <laughs> so true. Who is this? Hi, this is Nick. From Athens, PA. All right, it's not a junk drawer unless it has what? String. For no reason. <laughs> I love it. For no reason. If there's a purpose for the string, not a junk drawer. I love it. Kim Kofer, Gary, New York. Restaurant food packets of thought. 
Oh. <laughs> yes. You know what's really funny? The other day I wanted some of that orange sauce from, you know, like an Asian restaurant. Uh-huh. I couldn't find any in the house because we don't have a junk drawer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. That and bread, bread, bread twist ties. Oh, oh bread, bread, definitely. Don't throw those away because, you know. Good morning. I'm Amy Coney from Pellegrini. Lots and lots of electronic cords that you have no idea what they're used for anymore. Oh, yeah, probably to a phone that you got rid of about five, ten years ago. Still have the cord for it, though. <laughs> My name is Dravin, and I live in Rochester. About five Bed Bath & Beyond coupons because they multiply in captivity. My name is Terry, and I live in Danville. Extra car keys and batteries. Hi, I'm Rose, and I'm from Covington, Pennsylvania. A dead battery. Of course. Oh, yes. Not yes. a functioning battery. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. silly. <laughs> no, it's got to be dead. And <laughs> it's not a dead battery, then a dead pen. We hope the rest of your day is just as much fun as this. You're listening to Rise Up on Family Life. Well, in my family, I was the first one when I got to college. Oh. I. No, I wasn't the first one to go to college. I right. was the first one to get a smartphone. Yeah, I made that huh. decision when I got into college and everybody else followed suit at the time. I was like, hey, you really want one of those? Well, now we can hardly imagine right. not having one. I mean, it's just mm. so convenient, right? But is a smartphone always smart? Mm, I mean, it's a decision everybody has to make for themselves. But Robin, right. she's 17. And for her, the smartest thing is... What some people call a dumb phone. Robin calls it a brick. She got her brick phone when her smartphone broke. And she says now that I I didn't notice until I bought a brick phone how much a smartphone was taking over my life. Ah. Yeah. So, So Robin, she misses out on TikTok and scrolling the internet whenever there's a spare minute. Um, right. But to her, that's not really missing out. And yeah, no. maybe she's got a point here. I got to say, I respect it. I respect it, Robin, 17 years old, especially. That's super cool. Yeah. I'm just not eager to go back to typing, texting on those nine keys. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But no. you know what's fun to do every once in a while? What's that? Especially on a weekend, just lose your smartphone. I mean, turn your ring around so if there was a real emergency, just put it like in a kitchen cabinet or a drawer somewhere and just yeah. do life. It's pretty amazing. You realize how much you're missing out on by not being mm-hmm. on all the time. Sharing the message of hope. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, there was just one blue background for the school pictures. Just ah. a plain blue background. You ah, sat down, pictures. you got your picture taken, that was it, right? Mm. Now, though, you can have your kid in the woods, in front of a brick wall. They sure. can be in outer space. I mean, they just digitally add in the background, and they do that with a green screen. Yeah, so. yeah. They put up a green screen, the kid sits in front of it, and then digitally they add the background later on. Anything that's green becomes the background. <laughs> it works great. No. Unless school picture day is on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and unless most of the kids are wearing green. It happened to this school in Indiana. What? But, you know, I'm thinking this is definitely a picture I want an 11 by 17 of. Like, your kid's head floating in space. Grandma is going to love that, right? Come closer to the radio so we can see you. Wow, you look great today. This is Rise Up on Family Life. Let's take a moment to consider, just imagine, what if there was social media in Bible times? What's up, guys? Shepherd Boy David here. Just wrote a new song on the harp. Wanted to share it with you. 
Uh, real quick, don't forget to smash that like button, hit subscribe, and to make sure you're getting notifications every time I drop a video, be sure to click that show far below. All right, guys, here we go. I call it Psalm 18. If Mary were here, she'd say, Martha, stop planning so many parties and relax. Sorry, sis, but I just pinned like 30 quick and easy recipes, all kosher, by the way, and I will not have an empty house for Sabbath supper. Ooh, that one looks good. Ugh, that's awkward. What? King Saul's going on another one of those David rants. Oh, unfollow. Ephesians 4. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. God cares how we use our words in person and online.